And if I was to really just put it in a nutshell, I just got tired of my shit. (laughs) I really just got tired of being in this, it felt like this washing machine where I would year on, year on, year on, I would just find myself having asking myself the same questions, having the same conversations over and over and over and over again. And, and it was in many ways, you know, like looking through a plate glass window where I could see everybody on the other side of this piece of plate glass getting something that I wasn't getting. And why was I so in my mind and asking so many questions? So the timeline therapy session that I had was a process we call the five negative emotions. And we work with anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt. And what happened for me in that session uh, as I walked in one person and walked out another, what happened for me was I let go of a lot of baggage that I carry. The way that I like to 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 look at this is imagine we have a 100 kilo backpack that we carry around day in, day out. And in that backpack, we have every experience with loved ones, with our parents, with friends, uh, er- everything is in that backpack, all of our limiting decisions, all of our negative emotions, everything is in there. And with the timeline therapy session I had and with timeline therapy in general, it for me, it was like metaphorically unclicking the sides of that backpack and the weight just let go. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. Here we are, January 2024. And for the month of this beautiful new year, I will be replaying to you our top podcasts throughout the entire uh, experiences of the Self Love Podcast. I look forward to sharing these beautiful top-rated shows with you as I take a little break to rejuvenate, replenish, and restore. I sincerely want to thank you for being on the ride with me. I hope you enjoy these beautiful shows that have already been played, and I certainly look forward to hearing your comments, your thoughts, your feedback, and I will never, ever tire of your five-star rating. I really hope you're enjoying the month of January, taking time for you. And whether you're back at work or whether you're still on holiday, please remember to always take care and be kind. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Love Podcast. I look forward to seeing you all and speaking into those beautiful ears of yours in February 2024. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week I have two beautiful souls, a dynamic duo, Ellie May and Jennifer Forster. These two are both NLP practitioners, master practitioners, master trainers of NLP and timeline therapy. And I know you're going to absolutely love this incredible conversation. They also have a beautiful podcast inside the mind. It is edgy, raw, relatable conversations. And like this podcast, woven together with mind-blowing questions that shake up your model of the world, challenge your thinking, unravel your beliefs, tease apart your patterns, and walk you to the very edges of everything you've ever believed about yourself. 
And I think today you'll really get a beautiful insight as to how these two have grown and absolutely exploded the way in which they view the world, the way in which they teach us to view the world. And I know you're going to take a heck of a lot from this amazing conversation. Both are friends, both are beautiful, and both have such passion behind this work. I cannot wait for you to hear it. And I look forward to your beautiful feedback. You can head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28, Facebook, Kim Morrison Training, or you can head on over to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Thank you for your five-star ratings for this show. Thank you for following us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple, all the beautiful platforms. And thank you wholeheartedly for being a part of this show each and every week where I get to bring extraordinary souls like these two and our quickies so that you can ultimately not only love yourself, but take care and be kind. Enjoy today's show. Well, I am hugely excited and delighted to bring to you beautiful self-love podcast listeners, an incredible duo this week, two women who are taking the world by storm. They are phenomenal independently, but together they've created a synergistic, amazing business, podcast and trainings, and I cannot wait for you to hear more about them. Welcome to the show, beautiful Ali May and Jennifer Forster. Hello, beautiful Miss Kim, and hello, Ali. This is um, it's 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 it feels really natural for Ali and I to be bouncing together backwards and forwards in conversation. So really excited to share this with you, Kim. Oh, and Ali, what a treat to have you on board as well. It's we've known each other. All of us have actually known each other a very long time. I'd love to formally welcome you too, sweetheart. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kim. Hello to all of you beautiful souls listening. And Jen, I just love you, as you know, and I'm really excited for us to be having this chat with you, Kim. (laughs) Well, look, let's start with both of you, how you came together. I mean, we're all sunny coasters. We've all met through different business networks. We've all had incredible connections. And probably one of our most biggest loves and connectors of all is our absolute passion for human potential, what is possible with the mind, and how on earth we can get through maybe the limitations, the challenges, the big things that can sometimes knock us to the ground. I'd love to invite you both to give us your interpretation of how you came together and what led you down this path, particularly around NLP. Do you want me to start, Jen? I was just going to say, yes, please do. And then um, I'll, I'll connect some dots because it is a really interesting crisscrossing of paths that Ali and I have had that landed us in this space um, of NLP and human potential. Yeah. Go, Ali. So Jen and I connected on the Sunshine Coast, as you mentioned, Kim, you know, such a small and big place all at once. We connected here many, many years ago, like 12, maybe, maybe 12 or more years ago. And we were never friends at that point in time, just knew each other in circles. And then maybe five, five or so years ago, uh, we had the opportunity to, to do some business together and reconnected at that, at that point in time. And things didn't really morph at that point in time. And I think Jen came to my Goddess Day event that I ran and I I had a four-week or or an eight-week program that I was launching at that event. And Kim, you were supposed to speak there, but you had to go. You were, you were, um, 
I think you had something on for Jacob for football, come up last minute or something. Anyway, uh, Jen was there and I launched this program and every part of Jen's body said, no, I don't want to do this. And so she jumped on in. And Jen spent the time with me through that program, which was all around uh, our feminine energy, our masculine energy and being woman. And then I'm pretty sure Jen jumped in for a second time then came and did my NLP. So Jim was a practitioner student of mine and a master practitioner student of mine. And over that time, I, I feel like as Jen continued her journey in the NLP space, our friendship became a lot stronger. And now where we're at, it's like I couldn't imagine my life without Jen in it. I, I just I just couldn't imagine my life without without you in it, Jen. <laughs> Oh, Ali, that just brings, oh, my goodness, that just, yeah, that hits my little heart space so, so much, especially this morning. I love you too. <laughs> so I would love to add a few pieces in there um, because I just told this story to my beautiful friend Alice as we drove back from Uluru yesterday. She asked me the very same question. She said, Jen, how did, how did you and Ali come together? How did you get into NLP? How did this all become a thing? And I went back to that goddess day, Ali, and I remember, uh, you know, this exquisite uh, goddess day movement that you created. And I would see it all over social media and I would, you know, see you encouraging women to, you know, take space for themselves and, and treat themselves like a goddess. And, and all those years ago, it was really, it, it really triggered something in me. I had this um, real... Uh, gap between understanding the concept and actually being able to see myself as a goddess and treat myself as a goddess. And the word itself, goddess, was really activating in my body, really triggering. And so when the Goddess Day event came up, um, something I have become very good at in my life, like a puppy with a slipper, when I am activated, I lean in. I go, okay, this is really triggering me, so I need to go to this event. <laughs> So I went to the Goddess Day event and it was the most amazing day. It was beautiful. Um, I, I stayed in my little lone wolf capsule. I didn't really chat to anybody, just a few people. It was, you know, it was a lot for me at the time. And and then Ali shared this program that she was doing, the six-week Goddess Immersion Program, and everything she shared about it triggered me even more. It was like, oh, my goodness, cycles and seasons and this and that. I'm like, ugh, ugh, ugh. And I went, okay, I'm in. Every part of me doesn't want to do this. That's why I'm doing it. Um, so I signed up for that and it, it was just beautiful for me. It was such a, um, such a journey into understanding these parts of me that I had I'd known. I, I just didn't have any, uh, any real connection to. I did go on and do the, uh, came back as a, um, uh, it did the program again a second time and it was in that moment in the second time I came that I had this very and Ali you'll remember this when I connected to the part of me that I I now call her um it, it was this deep awareness that there's this this part of me that had been there loving me supporting me makes me teary even saying it being patient with me um and never ever ever leaving me and she'd just been waiting for me to connect with her and 
when we connected in that moment during that second uh, program, everything in my world shifted. And Ali, I know you re- you'll remember that so distinctly. Everything about me shifted. Everything, um, the way I viewed the world changed. Everything changed because I now knew myself in a way that I couldn't not know, and I could never abandon. I could never. Um, choose anything other than her I became a champion for this part of me that I that I call her and so then when Ali uh, became a trainer of NLP and and offered her first NLP crack every part of me there was no triggering at all every part of me just knew that that was where I needed to be that's where you know she guided me because she guided me from that point forward and she just said we 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 got to be in that training we got we need to be in that training and and so I went to the training on day one, had uh, this big declaration of, yep, I've, I've finally found the body of work that gives science and meaning to this, this part of me that I call her. It was for me like understanding my masculine energy and my feminine energy and understanding my seasons and my cycles. And now I've got this new piece of unconscious mind which to me is quite feminine and conscious mind which to me is quite masculine which I learned through you know which is a very big part of NLP and so I made this great big bold declaration on day one I'm going to become a trainer of this work and then a couple of hours later had a massive breakdown breakthrough um and 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 Ali and I I think the the real key point here Ali for you and I in this is um we NLP isn't isn't theory for us and I know for you it never has been either and it's it's not for me but for me either so our conversations through this body of work became so much deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because this is a lived experience for us NLP is how we choose to live our lives it's um, it's it, it's it's so much more than a theory, and so that really cracked open this friendship and this. Oh my God, Ali! Our conversations. If anyone could tune into our, uh, we this is how the podcast got born because we would have these deep, deep conversations on the daily, several times a day, unpacking our shit, unpacking our stuff, <laughs> putting ourselves through, you know under the lens of NLP, and just having these really raw deep open honest um beautiful conversations that that had us growing exponentially and and then one day we just went we need to let everybody else in on the ship and we need to put it we need to do a podcast and that's yeah that's how it all began and now I too Ali cannot imagine my life without you in it it's yeah we're like salt and pepper (laughs) well I think it's something incredibly extraordinary that when women come together and particularly with a shared passion and something like NLP neuro-linguistic programming Ali I met you many years ago you even helped me at the beginnings of my business helping me with packaging and putting products out there and we used to have beautiful conversations we both had I would say beautifully gorgeous boys that 
had their little sides and personalities that challenged us at times, but underneath these gorgeously deep, sensitive souls. So it feels really poignant that here we are now and with Jen, now having this conversation around NLP. How and why did it impact your life? And what was the turning point for you, Ali, that got you into it to then want to become a trainer and a master trainer in this? Oh, great question. So when yeah, I just reflect back on when I when I was doing some work for you and looking after your babies too. That was yeah, such a beautiful, beautiful time for me. I, I think back to that woman that I was and I with love, do not recognize that version of myself. I I feel like I was quite, I was very determined and quite lost within myself. And around about, I'm not sure how, how close it was to when I was working with you, Kim, um, there was a point in my life around about the age of 34-ish, I think, 32, 33. And um, I started to experience severe anxiety and it lasted for around four years and it was that intense at one point I wanted to take my life and I I didn't know how to get out of the chaos of my mind and I remember bumping into this beautiful girl that was linked in with with my partner at the time's um, family and or friend's family and she was studying she just studied NLP and she was telling me about timeline therapy so we booked a session and within two and a half hours of being in that session i walked in one person and i walked out a different person and i knew that for myself i wanted to study the body of work of nlp and timeline therapy i booked in and that was almost seven years ago now i did my practitioner level then i went on i think it was about three years later or so and did my master practitioner and i've been a trainer for i think maybe a year and a half for me it's it's been an extraordinary journey of of really diving deeply into self and and pulling out the stories and the patterns and the programs and witnessing all of that first and foremost for me the the practice of nlp and and i i do want to you know i will continue to mention timeline therapy as well the being in this work so deeply and and truly living it like jen said before for me that's what I want for everybody to be able to love who they are, to be able to look themselves in the mirror and and not question who they are, to see their triggers and patterns as they arrive, as they arise, to be able to be in a space with somebody else and 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 hold space, to be clean, clear, and congruent within themselves. It's changed my life so much, and 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 I love that I yeah that I get to do this that I get to do this. Well, you do it so beautifully too. And I just want to acknowledge you because we were both in different places back then. And I think there's always a reason. There's no accidents. Life's not random. It's always there for us. It's not happening to us as we know. And I think one of the most beautiful things that has come together with both of you two is your shared knowledge. Also, the fact that you both felt lost in some ways. And I just want to bring this back to the listener because there's times where we all feel lost. There's times when we do feel anxious. There's times where perhaps we could even frame it as depression or not feeling ourselves. And so it seems inevitable that all of us will experience these different emotions and challenges and triggers and things in our lives. But what is it that do you, that you believe that actually is the turning point? What is it when you said, Jen, that it just completely changed my mind or you, Ali, saying you walked in one person, walked out another? 
Could you both describe the process or the uh, the feelings or what it was that made you go, oh my gosh, there's a whole nother way of looking at this. Maybe we could start with you, Jen. Yeah, I mean, if I was to really just put it in a nutshell, I I, I just got tired of my shit. <laughs> I, I, I really just got tired of... Um, being in this it it felt like this washing machine where you know I would you know year on year on year on I would just find myself having asking myself the same questions having the same conversations um over and over and over and over again and and it was in many ways you know like looking through a plate glass window where I could see everybody on the other side of this piece of plate glass getting something that I wasn't getting and 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 why was I so in my mind and asking so many questions and 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 that was it for me I guess that was really it for me it was um I just didn't want to have another year like that I I and I knew that there I knew there had to be something out there I I had done a lot of meditating um uh, I guess a real starting point for me was um, I began doing uh, a lot of meditating, which opened up that deep inner voice inside of me. I just didn't really know how to communicate with it. And I did a, a 90 day uh, meditation experience where I, I, I sat in silence, not listening to anything, just li- literally sitting in silence. For an hour a day and I did that for I ended up doing it for about 134 days and and it opened up this voice inside of me what I didn't know though was how to communicate with it and NLP and timeline therapy timeline therapy in particular um to me timeline therapy is the kindest the most kindest modality that we can utilize in order to help us communicate with the unconscious mind which is the non-verbal part of us but so we don't feel like we're going crazy and going round and round in circles and asking repetitive questions and why is this happening to me again and you know I can't believe I'm back here again and what's the point and all those kinds of questions that I found myself you know a few years ago now um, asking and and uh, yeah coming out the other side of it yeah yeah. And you, Ellie, how did that feel for you? What was that? What was the turning point where all of a sudden you realized, or maybe it wasn't sudden, but now there's a whole new perspective, a whole new way of looking at life. You don't have to stay in that crazy mind or that monkey voice. What was it that switched for you the possibility there was more? So the timeline therapy session that I had was a process we call the five negative emotions. And we work with anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt. And what happened for me in that session, uh, as I walked in one person and walked out another, what happened for me was I let go of a lot of baggage that I carry. The way that I like to, to, to look at this is, imagine we have a 100 kilo backpack that we carry around day in, day out. And in that backpack, we have every experience with loved ones, with our parents, with friends, uh, er everything is in that backpack. All of our limiting decisions, all of our negative emotions, everything is in there. And with the timeline therapy session I had and with timeline therapy in general, 
it for me it was like metaphorically unclicking the sides of that backpack and the weight just let go and I didn't have the noise in my mind anymore I didn't have the the chatter going on anymore it's like things became clear for me and I was able to think for the first time in a really really long time if at all ever in my life the the pieces that the pieces that were constant for me just yeah just it, it all just dissipated it was like things got quiet and then I was able to to look at what I truly wanted in life I was able to to shift out of living from a space like most human beings do living from a space of my stories and my patterns to being able to shift out of that to see my stories and patterns for what they are and then to create what it is that I truly desire so for me that that pivotal moment was the session allowed me to drop the weight the the weight the self-doubt the the lack of self-love the the questioning and all of that and just gave me like a clean slate really or like a brand new blank canvas to start painting my life on a beautiful analogy actually losing that weight because even as we witness people even young people they feel like or seem to look like they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders and it's all comes back to that that the way we see the world, right? And it's the meaning we put into how we see the world. And what's always fascinated me is how someone could say something and one person you could be sitting with absolutely gets activated and triggered to almighty and gets angry and absolutely an emotion arises for them. And another person didn't even notice really what they said. Could you explain to us what that is about the meaning that we put into our lives um, and what that means when we can change or at least look for other meanings so that we don't just become so singularly based? I can jump on this one first, Jen, if you like. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so we love the communication model in NLP and with the communication model, it, the way it, it, it the way that it teaches us is that there are 134 bits of information that we take in per second out of 11 million bits. So I'll I'll switch that around. There's 11 million bits of information that are coming at us at one point, like every second, 11 million bits, and we can only take in 134. Which means that depending on our past depending on our beliefs, depending on our values, depending on our patterns, our programs, our stories, everything, depending on all of that will depend on what we actually see in our 134 bits. And that is the simplest way I can describe that. So two people can be sitting in the same space, just like you said, Kim. I think that I think the funniest way for me to describe this is in relationship, where one person says, that's not what I said. I said this. And the other one's like, no, you said this. And, and that's because our 134 bits are different based off all of the pieces that I just shared. It's so true, isn't it? Because when we also become aware of this work and we acknowledge, and I guess the best way I can also describe it is um, when we activate the reticular activation system. And one example of I tend to look at is if you looked at your favorite car, let's say it was a, I don't know, a black Porsche. And all of a sudden you start noticing black Porsches. That's part of that 134 bits that you start now siphoning for because it's now activated in the conscious and unconscious mind. But is it important from your perspective then, maybe Jen, from where you've come from and looking at relationships, how has that helped you manifest what you do want in your life as opposed to what you don't want? Mm, I love that question, Kim. 
And I love the reticular activating system, the good old RAS. It it is such a it's a tiny little piece in our in our brain, but it is something that um, we can utilize to create the lives we want if we're aware that our thoughts and our words are always programming our minds. So as we go about our day, everything we think, everything we speak is programming our unconscious mind or reticular and and our reticular activating system they're they're separate but the reticular activating system is the it's the part of us that filters everything that we believe to be true so if we are you know the black Porsche is a great example so if we believe that you know that we want a black Porsche, then our reticular activating system then filters out everything that's not the black Porsche. Now, why is that important? Well, it comes back to the 134 bits that Ali just spoke to. So if we're only taking in those 134 bits, which say black Porsche, then that's everything else that's there is, is actually filtered out, being missed, and we can't see it. Now, that's great when we're looking for a black Porsche, but if we flip that and and think to ourselves, well, you know, what if what if it's uh, you know we only see uh, you know we're experiencing a lot of drama. Bad things always happen to me. Um, you know, uh, you know um, what's a really good example of that? Um, uh, for example, uh, you might have a con a constant fight with your mother-in-law or your mother even. You know, my mum's always interfering in my life. My mum's always telling me this. My mum's always you know, making me wrong, then that's what the reticular activating system is is receiving. Now, the reticular activating system doesn't even know if, you know, what's fact or fiction. It just knows what you believe to be true. So everything else in that situation gets filtered out. So if that was me that had that belief, my mum's always picking on me, my mum's always telling me what to do, my mum doesn't trust me, my mum, you know, blah, 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 then Everything else that my mum is doing, which could be things like um, nurturing things, loving things, saying kind things, all of those pieces get lost, and so they just they just don't get you know through the system, through the um, uh, into the unconscious mind, and so the belief then is my mum is this, but our mum is also in this example everything else. We're just not seeing it because our model of the world, taking the communication model of the 134 bits and the reticular activating system and the unconscious mind, which is the programming center, with all of that happening, of course, that's all we're going to see. We're only going to see the thing that we believe. Um, and so that's exactly how we can be going through life. And, you know, people often say to me, Jen, you see the world um you know, like um, Ali, the cup of coffee, um, I love my coffee. I love my coffee. And every now and again, the beautiful coffee shop will gift me a cup of coffee. And I, I remember one time, Ali, talking to you on the phone and I, you know, went on to tell you about this story. Oh, you know, I've got this beautiful cup of, cup of coffee and it was gifted to me and it was just so amazing. It tasted so sweet and it was so delicious. Not sweet, sweet, but sweet. And But that's what I'm choosing to see. Now, somebody else might go into the coffee shop, have the exact same experience, and 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 the gifted coffee might just become a blip in their radar because they're already programmed to see where things aren't working out for them. 
And so in the coffee shop, they might have seen that, um, I don't know, the price of croissants went up or the barista was rude or whatever it is. So whatever we believe is what we're going to get more of. Yeah. It's so powerful, isn't it? And it's such a simple, yet people seem to fight the fact that this clarity, this lightness, this unbelievable sense of freedom can come from freeing yourself from these limiting thoughts, beliefs, and emotions. So I want to ask you, one one thing you said at the very beginning, I think it was you, Jen, you said something about a part of me. And I'm curious from your perspective, Ali, when you hear clients or people say, oh, look, there's a part of me that wants to get really fit and I really want to lose weight, oh, but there's another part of me that just really struggles to get out of bed. When it comes down to, and I even got asked this question the other night, how do you stay disciplined? What is it when, let's use weight just as an example or getting fit as an example, how would you discuss or say to us and how to speak to those different parts of us? Because they are parts of us, aren't they? Yeah, all, Jen, are you chuckling? I'm chuckling. <laughs> I'm, I'm, actually, I'm having a little chuckle. <laughs> yeah, we're like parts integration, just do a parts integration, <laughs> an NLP process. Um, I, oh, Kim, I think that's got a, it has potential to have a lot of moving parts. I, I feel like for myself, I feel like we buy into our stories very easily. And until we see that we're doing that, how do we make any other decisions on things? You know, we, we just... Uh, I believe that, you know, 95% of the time, most people are on autopilot and robotic mode and are just doing the do. So I feel like those conflicts, if we're not conscious about what we're doing and we're not choosing our life, we're just letting life happen around us, then how do we how do we create what we want? I, I feel like the conflicts are just inevitable. So, you know, for me, where with where I'm at as a human being and where I have been for a long time on this, probably even pre-NLP, was just to make a decision. You know, I, if I want to train, I just make the decision. And I know it sounds like pretty simple and, and it is pretty simple. I If I make a decision and I'm locked and loaded on that decision, then I do not let myself off the hook. I give myself flexibility. However, the decision is made so then I have nothing to question. So if the decision is already made that I get up and I go to, to training at least three times a week, four times a week, if it's locked and loaded in my mind, then that just becomes part of my life. And I choose that to become part of my life. The, the the second part leads in from that. I feel like people want things and they have good intentions for things, going, you know, having a nicer, a nicer body for themselves or feeling better within themselves. Yet the, the desire is not big enough to actually make the change in their lives. And, you know, that just comes back down to what's going on inside of us. What are our beliefs? What are our programs? What are our patterns? What's the clutter in the mind? What's what's taking up residency in our mind to have us not focus in on what we truly, truly want? So clear out what's in the mind, uh, become clean and clear and congruent within yourself, decide what it is that you want to be doing, commit to that, make the decision and it's done, and then, you know, create life instead of letting life happen happen to you. I love it. It's yeah. also really powerful, isn't it? It's almost, almost like trying to drink from a muddy cup. You've got to clean that glass before you can actually drink the clean water. Would you add to that, Jen? Is there anything else you'd add yeah. around the parts? Thank you for coming to me on this because they I have a personal experience um, that I'd love to share. And I, I'm all in on everything that you just shared, Ali. There are a lot of there can be a lot of moving pieces to to this question and and those internal conflicts. Yes, limiting beliefs. Yes, negative emotions. Yes, conditioning, programming, all of that kind of thing. 
And for me, there's, there's also something else at play sometimes, can be, um, and that is secondary gain. So secondary gain is when the, the result we want isn't quite as sweet as what we actually get from not doing the thing. So I used to have this story a little while ago now. I used to have this story of always being tired. I'm, oh, I'm so exhausted. I'm exhausted all the time. Uh, no matter how much sleep I get, I'm so, so tired. And, and when I did this work and did some unpacking uh, and did a parts integration and cleaned it up, what I also, uh, before doing the, the process and unpacking the story that I was telling myself, I was actually getting, there was a secondary gain in there for me. And when, you know, for Ali and I, and this is why the podcast started, was because we are willing to be really, really brutally honest with ourselves in exploring these pieces that come up. So when I had a really good look at the at the the, the piece about being exhausted, I'm so exhausted all the time and, you know, um, I had a look at what's the secondary gain here. So the question that I asked myself was, what is being exhausted all the time giving me? It must be giving me something or I would probably be doing something else. So it must be giving me something. And when I got really honest with myself, the what it was giving me was an out from actually taking responsibility for creating the things that I did want in my life. So staying in this perpetual um, cycle of exhaustion and tired and, you know, I'm burnt out and, oh, it's all on me and blah, blah, blah. That was actually letting me off the hook by keeping that story going, by keeping that internal conflict going inside of myself. It was actually letting me off the hook from actually taking responsibility for creating what I actually did want. So it's interesting what our unconscious minds can do when we're not paying attention. Yeah. Perfect example. And and I think if we dove even deeper, is that a word? Dove? If we dived even deeper, I think what I love about this work too is that we often find that both parts actually want the same thing. And when you mm. can integrate that into your world and realize then which is part of me that's going to gain the most for me personally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, whatever it is, I think that is such a beautiful, heartwarming moment when we can embrace all parts of us. And so I want to ask you then, I come back to you, Ellie, because you really then, you loved the work so much. You went on and did your master practitionership, but you even went further and wanted to become a trainer. You said at the beginning, you just want everyone to know this work. You both through your beautiful podcast, Inside the Mind, want people to experience this lightness, this purity, this congruence. Could you explain to us then what someone has to do? Do they need background knowledge? Do they have to have a whole lot of shizzle in their backpack? Like what, what allows someone to come and study this with someone like you? A desire. That, that's the biggest thing. I feel like, I guess, you know, I, I, I want this work for everyone. I also do not want it more for people than they want it for themselves. So the people that come into my my sphere specifically, and you know, Jen and I are uh, partnering up now to do our trainings. The people that come into my sphere, I I, I want to know that they that they want more for themselves. You know, that that's the key piece for me is that they they desire 
it's not even more. They desire something different for themselves. They desire to, to create amazing things. They desire to feel good within themselves, to create beautiful relationships with self and with others, to make the money they want. You know, I, I think, and, and, and really, I think most people, most people do want that. So, you know, just the willingness and, and people will start at the practitioner level and dip their toe in and, and get a feel for it that way. And then if they desire, they'll come on and they'll study master practitioner, which Jen and I um, will be uh, accrediting our students at both of those levels, prac and master prac. And then if they wish to become a trainer like Jen and myself, then they would go on to, if they wanted to, to the people that we trained through to to get that accreditation as well. And and if we're looking at categories of people from a business side of things, you know, coaches, leaders, mentors, uh, facilitators, business owners, they're usually the kind of people that, that we work with and anybody is welcome. Mm -hmm. And I think what's so beautiful, I'm sure you'll all agree, is that when we do this work, we actually become better parents, better partners, better friends, better siblings, daughters, mums, whatever it is. Because once you know this work, you can't unknow it. And I think what I love so much and what I'm hearing very loud and clear from both of you is you actually can't let yourself off the hook. There's no there's no point. There's no point in actually allowing yourself to stay as you were. And I think the cleanup work, the ability to actually follow through on it is what makes your life feel so light and powerful. So let's talk a little bit then about our motivation. When we're motivated to do something, you said it's just a desire to be there. But our motivation can have a very what we want more of, but also sometimes we get motivated because we're scared of what we don't want. When you talk about that, how can we use the not what we don't want as part of our powerful strategy to be motivated to have the desire to either do this work or have a better relationship or make more money? Is there a power in behind what we don't want as much as there is with what we do want, girls? Hmm. Ali, do you want to, uh, I'll add one thing just to, to begin here. Um, I think that even being aware that uh, so so there's one one piece in the master practitioner um, body of work that we teach and it's understanding our towards and away from language and I think there are there could be times like none I've got no examples coming to mind right now as to when I might want to use away from language however. Um, I'll just give it a little brief explanation. So if we're say if 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 somebody was to ask me, Jen, why is um a delicious conscious relationship important to you? And I answered that question with, well, it's important to me because I don't want to be alone, then what I'm actually using there is is away from language. Now, which which to me, this is my visual on this. I'm a bit of a visual person. I imagine trying to move towards the thing I want with my back turned to it and actually walking backwards. To me, that's hard work. Now, if I were to look at that belief and go, well, okay, why do I want a beautiful, delicious, conscious, you know, loving relationship? Well, I want that because I want to um, journey through life with another person. I want to be able to um, share experiences with them I want us to be able to you know co-create a loving space and a loving home and you know a beautiful family that it to me is is towards language which means that I'm 
I'm, I'm, I can see the thing that I want. I'm facing it and I'm actually moving toward it. Now, we've already spoken about the words we speak and the thoughts we have um, uh, programming our, our minds all the time, whether we're aware of it or not, whether, whether we're aware of what we're thinking or not. So if we know that, then to me, it's far more powerful to be programming our, our thoughts and beliefs and our language to be moving us towards the things that we want. Um, I see a lot of mantras and, and, you know, Ali and I, you know, talk about this quite a bit. Um, I often take screenshots of Instagram posts that are beautiful, well-meaning mantras and they can be in many ways, you know, laced with away from language, which for me, if I'm programming my unconscious mind, I want to work with it. I want to make it as easy as possible. My unconscious mind is uh, one of the prime directives of the unconscious mind is it loves to please. And so I want to be able to give the clearest, simplest instructions to my unconscious mind to move me towards the things that I want. Because that that's, to me, that's easy manifestation. That's just easy co-creation. If I'm in the... If I'm trying to get to where I want to go by using away from language, I might get there. It's just going to feel really hard. So, um, yeah, I choose the easy. I'm going the easy route. <laughs> Ali? Kim, is there anything specific that you would like to ask me around this that Jen hasn't already covered? Yeah, I thought she answered it really well. I, I was I was curious, uh, just from your perspective, that sometimes a little bit of away from could be good in the sense of, um, let's look at health, for instance. Um, if you don't want to be unwell or overweight, but you really are focused on being fit, fabulous, energetic and vital, then of course we can have some away from, can't we? Definitely. Yeah. And so I just wanted to clear that. So let's talk about it from this perspective. Let's say someone's listening to this and they go, I'd love to train under these girls. I'd really like to do their course, but I don't want to be a practitioner. What would you say to that person? Oh, yeah, I'll take that one. I'll take that question. I'll answer this one. Um, I didn't study to become a practitioner either. I studied to, I did it for myself. I studied so that I could be the greatest human being that I could be for myself first and foremost. And it took me nine months before I actually went out and became a coach. I was coaching specifically. And that's not even necessary for people. So if people just want to have, and it's not even just, if people want to have, like you touched on before, Kim, great relationships with their children, great relationships with their loved one, uh, great relationships with their family, if they want to feel good within themselves, if they want to, you know, create um, beautiful, nourishing, flourishing businesses, all of that, then, you know, it's not necessary to, to become a practitioner, even though you'll get the title of practitioner, you'll still get the tools for life for yourself to live an abundant and beautiful life. Oh, so love it. And I just really appreciate it. I, I did my NLP practitioner training at 23 when mm. I was living in New Zealand, never used it as a practitioner. Didn't even think I really got that much from it, girls, to be honest. I remember at the time thinking, yeah, it was good. It was helpful. But now looking back, I realized just how much of a profound impact it had on my positive view of the world, on how to let stuff go, on how to find new ways, new perspectives, always know that there is another way, if not a hundred ways to look at something. And I just was thinking about this for 
watching, I don't know, some criminal thing was on the other night. My kids were watching it. And I thought, how on earth is anything really a truth? How can anything be a truth when we all see it so differently? Or how can any crime really be solved based on what people think they saw? And it's fascinated me from a human perspective. I want to ask this question to you, might be a bit deep. What is truth? This is the best question, Kim, I think I've ever been asked. Go, Ali. It's great. My dad, and we love my dad. My dad we said to me, <laughs> we do love Les. My dad said to me once, everything is just an illusion anyway, babe. And and that had a that had a really profound effect in my in my life and is something that I've I've kind of what I say embodied in my life. So the way I see it, based off what my dad shared and based off the teachings of NLP as well, what I what I see is that we all create our own illusion and we can choose to create it from a place of drama. We can choose to create it from a place of being a victim. We can choose to create it from a place of abundance, of nourishment. Either way, it's a choice. And at any point in time, we can choose to switch the way that we're viewing something. Any point in time, it's all our illusion. And we are in control of changing that illusion. We just have to realize that we are and then choose to do so. What would you add to that, beautiful Jennifer? <laughs> well, uh, to me, there's no such thing as truth. In, and in fact, maybe there are 7.8 billion truths. You know, is there just one world or are there 7.8 billion worlds? Because every single human being, as we've talked about through the communication model and um, how we take in information, we all have our own internal model of the world. We all see the world a certain way. So, uh, you know, at one point in my life, um, I didn't like mushrooms at all. I thought they were just disgusting, horrible things. And that was my truth. And you couldn't have swayed me from it. No matter what, I wouldn't have touched a mushroom in a million years. And I don't know why I said mushrooms. I can think of a billion, quite a few things I could have chosen. But anyway, it's mushrooms. Um, and and now I do. Now I absolutely do love mushrooms. And so now that's my truth. So the thing with truth is, to me, it's it's not um, finite. It's infinite because it's shifting. It's changing. Um, if we look at the, you know, just to get a bit esoteric for a second, the you know the 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 world has been the universe has been expanding, right? It's been expanding for. 13.8 billion years or something like that. And it's going to continue to keep expanding long after, you know, our little humans are here and our little human skin suits in this version of ourselves. And so if you look at truth from that, you know, macro perspective, from that really zoomed out perspective, the truth of the universe is changing every microsecond. And so wouldn't that make sense that our truth is also changing whether we're aware of it or not. And when we are locked in, this is why we love Les and, and that beautiful, we did a whole podcast episode on everything is an illusion. Um, you know, when we are uh, constrained and caged inside our minds and locked in to one truth, then we're actually, to me, pinching off the possibility of everything else that the universe actually has for us. So. 
so tr- truth to me can be uh, it can it can cage us it can it can keep us um constrained it can keep keep us pinched off from the flow of this exquisite expand ever expanding universe and all that it has to you know offer us so yeah truth truth is it's just no such thing as truth it's it, it, it it's just it's just perspective and perspective is always changing mm. such a beautiful question and thought isn't it let's talk oh, about this. so many answers yeah so many answers <laughs> I agree. Let's talk about this for a minute then. One of the things that a lot of people talk in everyday life, I seem to hear a bit of it, is, oh, there's a dark side or the shadow side, or I don't know, I just don't feel good about this, or we tend to want to avoid the dark or the shadow. I'd love you both to talk about how we can embrace that or what exactly it means from an NLP perspective. Um, Ali, could you explain to us what it means to do shadow work in NLP? Yeah, so we don't particularly focus on shadow work in NLP. We don't call it shadow work in in our learnings of NLP. Over the last seven months, though, I and I never really um, I never really vibed with the term shadow work. And I'm a shamanic practitioner as well, and this shadow work in sh- shamanism. Um, with that, though, for me, in the last seven months, I've really seen this side of myself that. I, I would look at as the shadow side when it comes to relationship and in, 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 my, in my personal relationship. And I think I got to see the aspects of myself that weren't, I'm not, just not sure how to put this into words. Give me two seconds. I got to see the parts of me that were scared, the parts of me that were still the childhood woundings. I got to see different behaviors that I would play out to keep myself safe and I believe for me I started to look at that as my shadow work and embracing that so the parts of myself that might be the ugly parts or what society would deem as the ugly parts or the parts that are you know something that I I might not like others others to to know those parts are to me are a part of the shadow side of ourselves and can we be with both is the question that that I like to ask. Essentially for me, when I look at NLP and I look at shadow work, it's our limiting beliefs, our patterns, our programs, and our stories that we've played out our whole lifetime. And we can clear those up. So yeah, shadow work for me is it's not, it's not really a it's not really the way that I label label things. It's just something that I've played with over this last little while around seeing what people would deem shadows <laughs> and integrating and integrating those shadows into the light. It's beautiful. And I think one of the most beautiful things I did in a hypnotherapy session once was we actually called it the golden shadows. So some of the attributes and someone else that I didn't think I had, we did a beautiful hypnosis around embracing and honoring the parts of that or the golden shadow as we called it. And it was such a a beautiful process. And so I can really hear what you're saying about kind of coining it or terming it shadow work. Did you have anything to add to that beautiful Jennifer? Um, I think one of the um, presuppositions of NLP, so one of the purposes and intentions in NLP is to uh, support our people, our clients, to uh, to create more wholeness and, and therefore more choice. And so for me, uh, when I think about the shadow 
uh, I'm air quoting that, the shadow aspects of myself or the, the wounded parts of myself. Um, what I've come to know through that presupposition of NLP and through connecting um, into that part of me that I call her and now having this exquisite relationship with my unconscious mind, what I've come to understand is that I think we all have shadow aspects. And for me, when I recognize a shadow or a wounded part of myself, I'm the very first thing that comes to me now is that part of me needs more love, not less. And so that's how I um, stick with those 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 pains, those woundings, those those pieces of, of me. I yeah, rather than turning my back on them or trying to fix them or trying to pretend they're not there, um, I sit with them, and and that's taken some practice on my part. And um, yeah, it's really yeah yeah, it's just offering those parts of me more love, not less. I love it. Most of us tend to squash or bury or criticize it even more, but actually hearing it and loving it and embracing it for what it needs is perhaps one of the most beautiful gifts we could give to ourselves. I'd love to ask you then around, we've talked a little bit about this thing called communication model. And there is a, I think it is even a presupposition of NLP that the meaning of communication is the response that you get. (laughs) So when you talk to people and you get a certain response, a lot of humans will then take that personally and almost behave accordingly to that. There's also another line in thought that all behavior has a positive intent. And so I'm curious to understand what your thoughts are around when we have these miscommunications or when we're not hearing what someone said, or even what you alluded to a while back, beautiful alley around relationships, when one says something and it didn't mean it to the other. How can we mold or understand or give ourselves permission to forgive ourselves sometimes when we miscommunicate or don't hear what was perhaps communicated? Yeah, I have a thing in my life, Kim, where I choose self-responsibility. And in every every interaction I have, if I do not get the response that I desire, I am always, yes, always looking at myself, always. And I will, I will reflect on that. I, I feel like there's no point in having to forgive ourselves for something. We, we get to, you know, we, we get to show up as we please. And, and when we're conscious of, of how we communicate, then we might choose something a little different. So for me, when I look at, when I look at that presupposition specifically, I, I feel like we get, to, we get to listen to what the people are saying around us. We get to pay more attention rather than being focused in on what we might like to say or wanting to get our point across. And in learning how somebody else communicates and really focusing in on how somebody else communicates, we can begin to communicate in their language so that they hear us in a better way. This has been something that I've been super conscious of, especially over the last few months, around communication uh, not being the easiest (laughs) with someone specific that had been in my life. And every time it got a little uncomfortable, I would look at myself and say, how could I have communicated better? And and to me, that's just the ultimate self-responsibility. I love the two presuppositions that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. How beautiful. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could all take responsibility for not only what we say or do, but also what we hear and how we receive that? 
Jen, have you found personally for you then understanding the patterning and the fact that we are a patterned, if you like, computer or program, how have you used this work to change your patterning in a way that uh, embraces and honors what you were doing? Because I think there's a part of acceptance and vulnerability and appreciating who we were, but also understanding we have the potentiality to be whoever or whatever we want. That patterning and that programming, is that an everyday process for you? And if so, how? Mm, it, it is. I think human beings are a collection of patterns um, that are instilled or conditioned into us uh, from birth, especially in those first zero to seven years, the imprint years, where we're literally just walking around as little unconscious minds, just our conscious mind hasn't kicked in at that point, and so we're just conscious minds taking everything in. Um, and so one of those patterns that I took on as a little girl uh, up in uh, around five years of age probably zero to five if I'm thinking about it now um, was this pattern where I received love and acknowledgement when I achieved something so I was um, I was the third of four kids child number three and so I had two older an older brother and sister and so I was often doing the work they were doing you know long before I went to school so I was super smart I was a super smart little kid and every time I spelled a big word you know my parents would clap every time I you know sang a song so I got lots of recognition for achievement now that pattern stayed with me right throughout my life so much so that I ended up having a business called Gold Power Training this is quite a few years ago now my former fitness business that I used to have and I called it Gold Power Training. And my whole life was completely and totally um, influenced by setting and, ach and achieving goals. Now, there's nothing wrong with setting and achieving goals, nothing whatsoever. In fact, I still do now set and achieve goals. The difference for me was understanding the pattern that was driving the need to set and achieve goals, which was this unconscious little five-year-old that was still alive in my being that got love for that. Um, and recognizing the pattern and then being able to consciously choose my goals so that it wasn't coming from this little five-year-old that was seeking love and validation. Instead, it was for me to then be able to choose a goal that was conscious, aligned and congruent with the results that I wanted for myself and my life. And so that for me was one of the biggest pattern interrupts that um uh, that that I've ever that that I really created and then lost since then because I see patterns so clearly now, especially in myself. Um, and it took something like it really took something for me to to acknowledge that pattern, let it go because the idea of not setting goals when I first discovered this as a as a pattern was horrifying. I I didn't know who I would be if I didn't set goals. If I didn't set goals and achieve them. Who would I be? No one would know who I was. No one would know what I did. I wouldn't be honored. I wouldn't be loved. I wouldn't be validated. And it, and it, and and death honestly felt like a better option when I first discovered that pattern. And 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 I not that I would have taken that route. However, as a thought, I I really wanted thought that death sounded better than not setting goals because I had so much unconscious conditioning wrapped up in the outcome of the goal setting 
So now um, did the work, a lot of NLP, cleared a lot of limiting beliefs around, you know, I used to make things hard for myself too, didn't I, Ali? I love making things really, really hard for myself. In fact, give me the hardest option ever because then I that was just a, a spin-off of that same pattern. I got more love and, you know, the harder the thing was, the more love and conditioning, yeah, love and acceptance that I got. It's, it's very intertwined. Our patterns to me are like little little tentacles, little threads that, that, you know, can have their, you know, their threads in many, many areas of our lives. So when we pull out a big pattern or we dissolve a big pattern, I call them tap roots. You know, if you take a tap root out of, out of the ground, you see lots of tiny little uh, tiny roots that come out with that tap root. To me, when we dissolve, a, you know, a big pattern in our life, that can be, um, you know, so many little patterns will collapse in the process as well. Um, yeah, so so that was, I hope I answered your question there, Kim. Oh, sweetheart, powerful and just so exciting for people to appreciate. You know, I've had people or heard people say that they've done lots of work, lots of meditation, lots of treatments, lots of different practitioners, coaching and things like that but still the same patterns occur. And I'm just curious then maybe it's getting really down to that root root cause, understanding that there are lots of tributaries off that. And sometimes you might clear the surface perhaps, but there could be a deeper meaning. And I think that's where this work and what you two are offering and even listening to your podcast, the ahas, the penny drops, the understanding of, oh, there's possibility or I hadn't thought about that constantly feeding our beautiful minds with incredible souls like you two. All I can say to you listeners is that this is something you want to do. Be a fly on the wall in these two conversations and you'll find yourself going down after rabbit hole after rabbit hole and come up going, whoa, what just happened then? It is so much uh, beauty and there is so much love in what you're both saying. And, And even though you know the three of us could talk forever and ever, I'm really wanting to know then, understanding that every single person actually does have everything they need within them to answer their problems, to do what they need to do, to live the life that they want, understanding that we really do have those resources. What would your definition, the pair of you, be on what that means to love oneself, to really honor and know that we have those resources? What does self-love mean to you? For me, self-love, I, I've, do you know, Kim, in, in all the years that I've been working with people around self-love, I've never looked at a definition for it. <laughs> it just, um, yeah, fascinating. I remember sitting at, when I, when I had a life coach uh, at the age of 26, and I was just in a space of just not happy. And I remember sitting there and she said to me, what do you want? I said, I want to be happy like you. And from that point, it was the self-love journey that, that, I, that I went on. And, and that's been a big part of my work. If I was to sum it up into a definition, I, I would say that it's a deep knowing, a deep appreciation and a deep respect for self, where we are that clean, clear and congruent within ourselves as human beings, that nothing, nothing gets in our way or, or causes us to think not so great things about ourselves or to to overstep our own boundaries. Oh, there's so much in here for me around this. I feel like I treat my my being, my vessel as a temple. And I and I do not mean that in the way that yogis talk about this. I mean it in such a way of who do I let into my space? What words am I speaking? How am I treating myself? How am I treating my unconscious mind? How how am I 
how am I showing up for myself? How am I looking after my body? How am I looking after my mind? And, and through all of that, I've created this temple, if you will, of self-love for myself. And there's nothing or no one that can take that away from me. Mm. Not really a definition, a little share. <laughs> Goosebump share, I can tell you that. Beautiful, Jen. Uh, for me, self-love is, is just simply choosing myself over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, choosing myself. Um, the, I, I, there's a little, I call it my, my salt and pepper avocado toast story where I, I had this big awareness of what that actually means in the mundane of the daily. You know, I mean, if you jump on Instagram, there's no shortage of, or Facebook, there's no shortage of beautiful quotes around choosing ourselves. And I think that's, I think it's great when we think about it from a macro perspective. But for me, it's, it's very much in the micro and stacking those micro moments. So I was sitting in a, a cafe one day and um, I'd ordered, you know, a beautiful, you know, some avocado and toast and, and uh, the beautiful waitress brought it over. It looked delicious. And I don't know about you ladies, but I love cracked pepper and um, sea salt on my avocado and toast. And as I looked at my table, I realized there wasn't any salt or pepper on my table. And the very first thought that popped into my head was, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, just, just go ahead and eat it anyway. And I caught myself in that moment where I realized that I had told myself not that it didn't matter. What I was actually saying was I don't matter. I don't matter enough to seek out some bloody salt and pepper. What the heck? What's going on here? And I had this massive moment and awareness of how many times in a day, even though I know the concept of choosing myself, I wasn't choosing myself in the mundane moments of every single day. And so in that moment, I just simply got up. I walked over to the waitress and I said, could I please have, so I went and looked for it first. I couldn't find any. And then walked to the waitress and said, could I please have some cracked pepper and some salt? And went back to my table and I sat there and just took a deep breath in. Also makes me teary because I remember this moment so well. And she brought over the cracked pepper and the salt and I just very slowly and methodically just, you know, just loved on myself in that moment and just said, I, I, I will never not choose you again. I will choose you. Everything you are, I'm go I will choose you. Yeah. So to me, self-love is choosing ourselves over and over and over and over again. Well, you two souls, you certainly have us all thinking. I am so grateful to you both. As we come to the close, I would love for you to share how people can follow you guys. Give us both your personal and the beautiful podcast. I'll make sure it all goes into the notes. But could you just tell us if anyone was interested in either or both of you, um, could you give us the ways in which we can follow you? For me, you can jump onto Ali May on Facebook or Instagram. Ali May on Instagram is Ali May underscore kiss kiss. And then our podcast, Inside the Mind. Yeah, for me too. I always jokingly, jokingly, just put that out there, jokingly say that uh, I am the FBI's dream. 
I'm very, very fond of social media. Um, just search my name, Jennifer Forster, website jenniferforster.com. Inside the Mind, the podcast on Apple and Spotify and all your favorite podcast places. And, um, and Ali and I do have, um, a practitioner training coming up in July this year. So reach out to either one of us if you would like to have a chat about that. I think it's a really beautiful thing. And if nothing else, listener, take this as an opportunity or are again, there's no accidents as a sign that maybe you could have a little look in here. These two are trailblazers. They are beautiful leaders. They are mama bears. They are beautiful practitioners, entrepreneurs, coaches, you name it. They're everything encapsulated. And I could not be more proud and honored to bring them to all of you guys. And just to close, you angels, I'd love you both to give us your final message and a favorite quote. I'll jump in. So this is not mine, but it's become a Jen-ism. I think it might even have been Tad James that, that said it. Um, but it's this. It's just simply say it the way you want it. Just short and sweet. Say it the way you want it. If something isn't working for you in your life, I, my question is to my clients is, have you asked for it the way you want it? Have you stated it the way you want it? Have you expressed it clearly the way you want it? And often what I find is when, you know, when we go, go into that, you know, the depths of that, saying it the way we want it, sometimes what can come up then are our limiting beliefs around why we don't think we can say it the way we want it or ask for what we want or um, be clear in our needs and desires. And that's a beautiful thing because when those limiting beliefs come up, we can do something with those. Um, so that's me, Kim. You know, uh, say it the way you want it. Always, always, always say it the way you want it. Beautiful. And you, gorgeous Ellie Mae? Do you know, I haven't really got a favourite quote that I, that, that I love at this point in time. What is coming through for me, though, is wisest is she who knows she does not know which means we are ever evolving and learning. I, I really do love that. Um, what was the other part to this, Kim? Could you just say that one more time? Yeah, wisest is she who knows she does not know. Mm, beautiful. Mm, love it. Oh, just your final message, sweetheart, which as you were saying there, it's everlasting. Um, and perhaps just, you know, why you think this is such beautiful avenue, a beautiful pathway for people to get that clarity, congruency, and the ability to actually have a very clean, healthy head, mind and body. Mm, because there is nothing, and I'm a big seeker, there is nothing that I've come across that comes close to timeline therapy first and foremost in what, what we teach. There's uh, the two accreditations. There is nothing that comes close that I've ever experienced or that I know of that cleans our stuff up at the root cause level. The reason that people can go and study, people can go and meditate, people can go and do breath work. And I run breath work and ice bath sessions as well. Uh, people can go and, and do Reiki. They can go and study with coaches. They can learn to be wealthy. They can do anything that that they desire to do. And most people aren't fulfilling what they truly want and they still have their patterns and programs running they still have the stories that are holding them back and timeline therapy supports us to shift those things at the root cause at the root level so that they're no longer playing out on, out in our life and that's a permanent shift 
So we're no longer attached to what's happened in our life. We can truly live our lives. For me, there's, that's it. Wouldn't everybody desire to be clean, clear and congruent, have the money they want, have the business they want, have the relationships they want, be the parent they want to be, be the friend they want to be and live a truly delicious life? I'm not sure anyone would say no to that. <laughs> I want to thank you both from the bottom of my heart for being on the Self Love Podcast. It's been an absolute honour to share you and to witness both of you over the last decade and also to be a small part in your worlds. It is an absolute honour and privilege, my friends, and I love you both wholeheartedly. Thank you again. Thanks, Kim. Thank you, Kim. So much love to you. Thank you for sharing your beautiful platform and your space with us and your beautiful listeners. Um, Yeah, so incredibly grateful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.